Young people, you studied about Jacob receiving the blessing this morning and how he received that. We talked about that in our class out here today. And we, we made note of, of that we were told the what. We don't really understand all the whys that took place, but just understanding the, the situation in this story that we understand that Isaac is uh, very old and uh, he's become blind. And uh, he knows that his time here on this earth is, is short. So he calls in Esau and tells him to go out and, and uh, kill some venison and bring it to him and bring him a savory meal. And after you bring, bring the savory meal, I'm going to give you my blessing. So Esau is on his way to go do that. But... Isaac's wife, Rebecca, overhears this conversation. And with that, he, he, she goes to uh, uh, Jacob, the other son. And she says, you go get a couple of goats and I will prepare that savory meal and you take it to your father. You receive the blessing along the way. And he said, uh, I, I don't think this is going to work. Because he, he's, gonna, he's a hairy uh, man and I'm a smooth man and, and he's going to realize that, that it's me and, and not my brother. Uh, he's going to think I'm deceiving him. Well, that, that's what he's doing, as we pointed out in our class. She said, don't worry about that. I'll fix the meal. And then they take the goat skin and put it on his hands and they put it on his neck and he wears Esau's clothing. So when he comes to Jacob, or when he comes to Isaac, I should say. When he comes to, to Isaac, Isaac smells the clothes of Esau. And then he asked the question, of, well, how did you uh, do this so quickly? And Jacob answered and said, well, God brought me the food. God brought me the venison to prepare. And he said, wait a minute, you sound like Jacob. <laughs> you don't sound like Esau. And then that's when he went on over there and and, uh, you know, uh, Isaac called him over and he started feeling his hand. Oh, yes. No, Jacob would not feel like that. <laughs> he was feeling his goatskins and thought it felt like, he thought that was Esau. But it was Jacob. And so he had the meal and, and he gave Jacob the blessing. And, of course, we know that later on Esau comes in and realizes that he's deceived. And, oh, he, he cried bitterly. He was devastated. Isaac was devastated by all this. But again, that's, that's the story pretty much that we read today. There was a few other details at the end, but what I'd like to focus on this morning is the very fact of, you know, beware, you, you never know who's going to deceive you. Rebecca and Jacob deceived Isaac. They, they deceived him with, with the goat skin and, and with Esau's clothing. They were able to deceive this man who was blind and, and elderly. And they fooled him. And there are people today, there's always been people that are out to deceive others. Let's look at some ways that, that people deceive. You know, how can we be deceived today? Well, in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, the Apostle Paul says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those that cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. One thing we need to note 
in this scripture is that Paul is talking to people in the church. And he's talking about people in the church. It's people in the church that's doing the deceiving. And it's people in the church that are being deceived. Well, where are we at this morning? We're in the church, aren't we? We are the church. We're in the building and we are the church here at Fountainhead. And so he talks about these things here. That uh, here's people that can cause divisions. And this is one way that people cause divisions. They deceive people. And they deceive people with smooth words. And they deceive people with flattering speech. Indeed, the Lord's church has been divided in many ways over the years. And this is one way uh, that division has come about because of people that have that gift of speaking with smooth words. They have the flattering speech. And, and uh, you know, they got that smile and they can talk and they can convince you of just about anything. I was hearing Brother Phil Sanders this morning on the Search of the Lord's Way, and he was talking about that, that a person can tell a lie, and if they tell it enough times, then people will start believing it and accepting it truth. And people can do that with the smooth words and flattering speech. We also see that uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, that's where Paul said we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Once again, these are people in the church. And there are children that are tossed to and fro. Who are that? That's people in the church. We can get tossed about with people that are able to speak this way. That They have their trickery. They have the cunning craftiness. They are people that deceit, uh, they plot through deceits. And, and, and they do these kinds of things. And actually, that's what we find in our lesson today. That's what happened here. That Rebecca and Jacob got together and they did some deceitful plotting. They figured it out. This is how we're going to get this done. They had cunning craftiness. And through their trickery, they were able to fool Isaac. We need to be careful and not fall for, for new ideas that come down the pike. People want to bring strange things into the Lord's church from time to time. We need to be careful and watch everything and, and test everything that comes along and not be tricked. Once again, we find in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, that Paul said, Let no one deceive you with empty words. You know, we need to ask ourselves when we hear something that doesn't sound right can that person prove that claim you know if they're telling us something can they prove to us what they're saying now when we're talking about the word of god here's where the proof has got to be found the proof don't come through well i heard someone else say this and this person's got a uh, his doctorate in theology or something or it comes from some book or some, from some commentary or something like that. But this can be found in the Word of God and it can be found in context. You know, Isaac recognized Jacob's voice. He did have some questions. You know, he was concerned. You got back awful quick. But, but that's the voice of Jacob. And that, that had him thinking there a little bit. But even after that, you know, then he was fooled with the goat skin and, and the clothing once again. But you know, you'd think that maybe he would think a little bit more, but that's still Jacob's voice. 
Maybe I need to find some other kind of proof to be sure that, that they're not trying to deceive me in some way. We need to do the same thing as we study the Word of God. Or if someone comes to us and maybe they're trying to bring us a new doctrine, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't look right. Well, let's look at the Word of God and let's prove it and let's study it all the way through and be sure that we got the truth with us. And that's something we need to always recognize. Jesus talked about these things in Matthew chapter 24. There are several verses that, that He spoke about uh, the matters here. In verse 4, He says, uh, Jesus answered and said, um, said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Just a very plain uh, thought here. Take heed that no one deceive you. Verse 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And we need to understand in context here, uh, Jesus is preparing him in this part of Matthew 24 about the destruction of Jerusalem. But you know, this has still been going on. This, these kinds of things took place throughout the book of Acts. Uh, there were warnings that were there. And these kinds of things have been taking place all throughout history, even today. There are people that will claim that they are the Christ. He says that take heed that no one deceives you. People will go out and try to deceive many people by saying that they are the Christ. And then a little bit later, we find in verse 11, he says that there are many false prophets that will rise up. They will deceive many. And again, in verse 24, he says, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive if possibly even the elect. These false Christs, these false prophets that are out in the world, they, they are able to show great signs. They, they can show wonders. They can do things that, that can be convincing to fool even the elect, as he says here. Brother, that's faithful Christians. And faithful Christians have been deceived. And faithful Christians have left the Lord's church because of the trickery of men. And all these things that's going on out in the world today. There was at least three occasions that Paul used these words. He said, be not or do not be deceived. One of these occasions was found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. The apostle says, says there, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, or adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He says, don't be deceived. Unrighteous people will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he starts out this scripture, this uh, verse, by says, he says, do you not know that? Do you not know? You know, knowledge is important. That's why we need to study and, and uh, be approved unto God. That the workman uh, be not ashamed that we can rightly divide the word of truth. Knowledge is greatly important to us. So we need to study our Bibles constantly so that we can know things. Apparently there were some people in Corinth that didn't know this. That they're unrighteous people and they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now certainly we know that if they repent of their sins, if they repent of these things, they can have a heavenly home. But he tells us that, that uh, fornicators are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. 
If there's people of the opposite sex that are, are living together and, and they're having relationships with one another, that's fornication. He said, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. God does not approve of that activity. He does not approve of that sin. He says, neither does He approve of idolaters. Now, I don't think I know anybody today that has some little statue in their home. You know what I'm saying? Some little gold statue or, or silver or, or maybe it's uh, made of wood or something that they go and just bow down to it and worship it. I, I don't know of anybody like that, but I tell you, I've seen people that idolize material things. Maybe it's their car. <laughs> or maybe it's, you know, it's just something that they have in their life that, that just comes first above uh, uh, many other things, including God. Let us not be idolaters, nor adulterers. We have people living in adultery need to be repenting of that. They cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It tells us very plainly, homosexuals, living that homosexual lifestyle, you cannot have the kingdom of God, nor, nor sodomites, which goes along with that. Thieves, if you're stealing, if you're taking things from people, and there's many ways and forms that we can do that. And if we're doing that, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Drunkards. Well, we call them alcoholics. And I'm not talking about an alcoholic who has recovered and has been so sober and staying sober. I'm not talking about that, but we're talking about the ones that are continuing in that habit of being drunkards. They cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor revilers or extortioners, people that are involved in these things cannot have that. And he says, don't be deceived. This is what the Bible teaches us. Then he says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You know, when you study the book of, of 1 Corinthians, we do see a dysfunctional church there. We see problems many problems that took, takes place. It wasn't that long ago we had a, a, a morning study of that in our Bible class of all the problems that were going on in the Corinthian church. And, and the problem here, evil company corrupts good habits. Maybe some of these problems came about because there were people in the church that were still greatly influenced by worldly people. Worldly people that were doing the things that we just read about there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. They were living that, that lifestyle. You know, if you go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and you continue to read that, Paul, Paul says, uh, but such as some, you know, you were you used to be that way, but now you have been cleansed. You've changed your lives. And he was talking about that great blessing. But certainly there must have been people who had not obeyed the gospel, people still living out in the world that do those things. And so now he comes back in chapter 15 and says, don't be deceived. If, if you're still associating and, and you're spending time with these people, it's going to bring an influence upon you. Now certainly we can take the time to try to influence them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We certainly don't want to just uh, totally shun someone, but we don't want to be involved in their sinful activity either. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we keeping company with those who may corrupt us? And what can we do about that in our lives? Paul says don't be deceived. These people can change our way of thinking can draw us away from the church. 
And then in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7-8, the other place where he says, Be not deceived, or do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows of the flesh will reap corruption, but he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And if you think about it, all three of these Scriptures are essentially telling us the same thing. We know it's telling us not to be deceived. But we see that they're telling us don't be deceived. But if we associate ourselves with evil things, eventually these evil things will consume us. They will get us. And we will reap what we sow. If we're out there sowing the seed that's corrupted, that we're going to receive things that are corrupted. Christians can be deceived in thinking that worldly things are harmless, but we need to understand they're not harmless. And they will bring things to us that we don't desire, some things that we don't want in our lives. And then as I got studying about the word deceive and deception, I come across some scriptures that tells us that we can deceive ourselves. Some people are just fooling themselves in different things in life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 18. Paul said, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. In other words, are you someone that thinks you got it all figured out? Have you got everything in this life figured out, how it works, and what God wants us to do, and, and, and how we're to be, and how we can straighten out all the problems of this world? Well, let me tell you something. We cannot outthink God. It isn't going to work. He, he continues to talk about that in the Corinthian letter. He, he says even the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. The wisest people here on this earth cannot even touch the thinking of God. And we need to understand that in our lives. So if we think we got it all figured out, we need to think again. Paul says that we are fooling ourselves. And we don't want to do that. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, we've heard many times. John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Let me tell you something. Living a perfect life is a tall order. But, you know, that's, that's the, the strange part about this is we read the Scriptures... That's what Jesus tells us. That's what the New Testament Scripture tells us is that we're to strive for perfection. We're trying to get there. We're trying to be perfect. But then the Scripture turns around and tells us we're never going to get there. We've got to strive to be as close to it as we can, but we must understand that the only one that ever lived through this life perfectly is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's the only one that got through this life without sin. And so again, don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. If you think that you have reached perfection, 
you need to think again that you don't fall for that. And you know what? That's one reason I am thankful that God has given us a plan of salvation. He's told us what to do to wash those sins away. Because I can't be perfect and you can't be perfect. As much as we try, we're going to have our failures. And God has given us a way through His Son Jesus Christ, death on the cross, that we can take care of those imperfections, that we can go and live and be with Him in a heavenly home. And even though we might be like some of those people that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that those sins may have been in our life, and we get those things out of our life, God will forgive us if we come to Him the way He says to come to Him. We need to believe and be baptized to have that heavenly home. Then James tells us in James 1, 22, Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We're deceiving ourselves if we are hearers only. We need to be people that's out doing the will of God rather than just listening to it. Okay, now it's self-examination time. <laughs> we don't need to be looking at that person next to us. We don't need to be thinking about the person sitting two pews ahead of you. We need to look at ourselves in this and think about our own lives and then ask ourselves this question. Are we a people that are standing on the promises or are we a people that's merely sitting in the premises? Think about that. Are we standing on the promises of God? Are we standing on the promises that God has given us? Are we trying to enrich our lives and grow in our faith? Or are we just happy to be sitting in the worship service and let that be our Christianity? I want to give you a challenge this morning. We're coming toward the year 2014. People make New Year's resolutions. Let one of your resolutions be this, that you're going to put some attempt to do something different for the Lord next year. You're going to find some work for the Lord that you haven't been doing, and, and you're going to put yourself into that work and try to grow in Christ. The thing is, you don't have to wait to January 1st. You can start that this week if, if you want to. I'll give you permission to do that. Find that something to do for the Lord. Whether you're doing just a few things now or if you feel like you're doing a lot, there's always something else out there to help us grow in the Lord. And that's the challenge I'd like to leave us with this morning. Let us not be deceived. There are false teachers. And, and they're teaching all kinds of things. In pulpits and in buildings this morning, there's those that's preaching the doctrine of faith only and belief only and belief and repentance only. There's all kinds of teachings that are out there like that. A sinner's prayer will bring you salvation. That's what some people are preaching this morning. There are some places now that someone can say, you come up here, we're going to have a song, and you come up here and tell me how you want to be saved. 
Because there's all kinds of teachings out there. And they're saying, we're trying to get everyone together. And the way we'll do this, we'll let you decide how you want to do that. And then we still have even other places that says you don't have to do anything at all. We've had some lessons about this. It's been a while back. But there are speakers that will tell you, you don't, have, you don't even have to know Jesus. He's going to save you anyway. When all is said and done, you don't have to worry about that. But when you hear things like that, we need to understand, just like Isaac realized, that's a voice that's not familiar. That's a voice that doesn't sound like the voice that we read here on the pages. And you know, and maybe we want to test it a little bit, and it feels like the voice. It kind of seems like it. Maybe this is the person that we think it is. But then we still look and we find that it doesn't fit the Bible. Isaac was blind. And it might be some of us have a blindness that's keeping us back. But, you know, this is a blindness that can be cured. This is a blindness where we can have our eyes opened if we'll just open up our hearts and look at the pages of the Scripture. Don't take my word for it. Read the Word of God and it'll tell you what we must do to be saved. We had a brother that obeyed the Gospel for our services today. We, we rejoice in that. It'd be wonderful if we had some more to come and decide to make that decision this morning. And if you're one of these people, why don't you come now as we stand and sing this song?